WBT, hour number three on this Monday afternoon. I guess the soccering is uh, getting ready to start, right? All of the soccer fans are very, very excited to watch America probably lose. But, um, <laughs> but hey, you know what? Here in Charlotte, we're used to watching football teams lose. Oh, I'm sorry. It's totally true, though. Um, and once again, maybe watch the whole game yesterday, thinking we had a chance to pull it out, and then, oh, no, in your face. It's kind of like Charlotte weather. Like, oh, hey, look, summer's over. Oh, look at me. I'm autumn. I'm fall. I'm so awesome. No, haha. How about another two weeks of 85 degrees? Summer's not going away yet. And then two weeks or so later, and we get like, oh, look, at it's down to 50. And then, oh, my gosh, what? we're at 20. What? Yeah, right into winter. It's just ridiculous. Anyway, I'm not bitter about it. All right, so Governor Roy Cooper is up in D.C. You heard there in the top of the hour newscast. Uh, he is hanging out with some turkeys at the White House. And um, I thought there should be three turkeys. When I heard the names of the turkeys, this is for the stupid turkey party. I, I hate this. I hate this tradition. It is it is my least favorite tradition. This pardoning of the turkey. You know, one year, I don't even remember who it was. I One time I looked it up to find out where the history of this was, and it was, you know, somebody, ha, ha, what a joke. He pardons the turkey. Oh, isn't that adorable? And it's a photo op. Ha, ha, ha. And then somebody says, well, what about the next turkey? Because some other turkey is going to get chopped up now, right? Like the first turkey, hey, good for you. You were the best-looking turkey, the biggest, fattest, plumpest, most juiciest, delicious turkey, and you got pardoned. And then the runner-up turkey, they get killed. So then people started asking, oh, well, the poor second turkey. So then they started pardoning the next turkey. So now, today, you had President Biden pardon both turkeys again. The obvious question here is, what about the third turkey? No one cares for the third turkey? Why? What's up with that? First turkey, pardon. Second turkey, Pardon. Third turkey, that's your head. Sorry. And then I have to ask, if the third turkey is the one that's getting chopped, then don't you want the third turkey to be the best? And don't you think that the people who are picking the turkeys out, and I think they're from Monroe, the people who are picking the turkeys out and sending them up there, like they're not just giving them the two, right, to to pardon. They're giving them three, I would imagine, maybe more. Far be it for me to suggest that the White House might be having, you know, bigger dinner plans here than just a single turkey. Actually, they may not even be eating the turkey at the White House. They'll probably do it back at one of uh, Joe Biden's uh, homes in Delaware, right? The beach house, maybe? Rehoboth Beach? And then it'll go for a uh, a nice bicycle ride afterwards. Here's the other thing. The names of the of the turkeys. <laughs> did you, you did you hear the name? Chocolate chip, which I think is a huge missed opportunity here because if you had the third turkey, you could have had chocolate chocolate chip, which was the ice cream flavor that got <laughs> that got him all the negative press 
when he was, you know, walking around and the reporter's like, oh, what flavor did you get? And he says, chocolate, chocolate chip. And so they named the turkeys chocolate chip. Is that some sort of a, a backhand thing towards the president? Are they trolling the president with these names of the turkeys, chocolate chip? I don't know. That's, that's a pretty big coincidence, don't you think? I thought so. Anyway, so Cooper is up there with the president. And I'm sure they'll talk some election-related stuff. But I came across, uh, and I'm glad to see, Andrew Dunn uh, writing again. He's uh, We had him on the program a couple of weeks ago. And he writes a Substack newsletter called Longleaf Politics. And he's a former uh, reporter. And then he uh, got into the political comms racket. And uh, he worked for uh, former Lieutenant Governor Dan Forrest. And so now he's back to writing again, and I always appreciate reading his stuff. And so I saw his post where he mentioned this um, – it's not a podcast because it's just it's, – it's CBS News. Major Garrett, right, formerly of Fox News, and I think he also wrote for some other publications, maybe The Hill or something, but whatever. He's now at CBS, and he does this little interview show. It's like 45 minutes or something, and it's just on like their YouTube channel or something. So it doesn't it, it doesn't ever make air, at least that I saw, and it's called the takeout. I don't know why, but Roy Cooper was on this program, and Andrew Dunn starts off uh, his piece about it this thusly, as thus. Anyway, he starts like this. He says, "If anybody still views Governor Roy Cooper as a friendly, gentle, moderate politician." Watching his recent interview with CBS News' Major Garrett would certainly disabuse them of that notion. Cooper lives and breathes partisan politics, and he sounded in his element, riffing on the midterm results. He channeled his inner MSNBC host, labeling various Republican positions as dangerous, diabolical, extreme, and scary. There was very little truly of note, with one exception— He is 100% on Team Biden. He did say that, 100%. First up, here's a soundbite where he praises the election workers, the heroes of our democracy. Just the other day, I was talking to some poll workers. They have been under tremendous stress, abuse. Uh, it, It is extraordinary what has happened since Trump was elected and how ferocious people can be. We've had a number of people leave uh, the election process. But you know, everyday Americans are stepping up. I talked to a friend of mine who just retired from a well-paying job who decided I'm going to go to work for the Chatham County Board of Elections to make sure that these elections run smoothly. She called me the other day, said, you know, this is this is hard work. But the people who are doing this are amazing. So thank you for thanking them because our democracy could not survive without people who are willing to step up and do those jobs. He emphasizes some of the weirdest words in some of the weirdest ways. But you notice also, what does he say there? Oh, it's since Trump got elected. That, that, so obviously blaming Donald Trump for the abuse that election workers are taking. You notice what he didn't mention, what he ignored. The ways in which he and his Democrat allies and his lawyer, the guy, like his own lawyer, Mark Elias, who sued the state and then entered into the collusive settlement deal with the Board of Elections, 
That 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 Mark Elias, that was Cooper's lawyer in the 2016 election counting process. Where they tried to, you know, make sure that you count these ballots, but not those ballots, because democracy requires it, right? But he doesn't mention any of the ways the laws got changed, which agitated the right, because it was perceived, and not entirely unfairly, as a mechanism for fraud. You guys put in all of these looser rules during the pandemic, which generated outrage, particularly when it was perceived that those rules created enough fraud to cost their candidate the election. Now, you may disagree with that and say that's not true, but you bear some responsibility for loosening the rules. But no, no, it's all Donald Trump's fault. It's never Roy Cooper's fault at all. That's why he made every right decision during the pandemic. Every single decision he made was the right call. Couldn't think of a thing he would do differently. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. So North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper was on a program called The Takeout with Major Garrett at CBS News. They were talking about a bunch of different things, but... um, Mainly the election and, you know, uh, results that they saw, predictions for the future, that sort of thing. So here was uh, Governor Cooper's overall assessment. You'll recall he's the head of the Democratic Governors Association, right? So he was involved in gubernatorial races all across America. And so uh, what was his overall assessment here? Defied expectations, and particularly for Democratic governors across the country. I'm chair of the Democratic Governors Association this year. I took that on because I know that governors are are often the last line of defense in protecting our rights and freedoms, but they're also the the first chance at progress. So I wanted to make sure that my Democratic colleagues across the country and our candidates had the best support that they could get. And it turned out that it was the best midterm for a president's party when it comes to governor's races since 1986. And I, you know, I believe it was because that Democratic governors uh, let the people tell them what, what mattered to them, not, not the other way around. We understood that voters were not one dimensional. Uh, we understood that with this horrible US Supreme Court decision that ripped away uh, women's reproductive freedom that had been in place for five decades, that now the state capitals and the state legislatures were really going to be determining a constitutional right. Now, you're- I find I, I find it kind of comical that he's saying that the Democrats here see people as as not one dimensional when that is how you that that is uh, that's identity politics. Of course you do. And his explanation that we just heard is not that's not proof of them seeing voters as not one dimensional either. It's just it's just kind of a weird argument. I think he I think he tried to find a way to to listen or to make sure that he said, oh, we were listening to the people. And then he tries to kind of shoehorn that into the reproductive health care with a ripping away of rights, which I don't want to get graphic or anything here. But just I would advise probably don't use the term ripping away during abortion debates, okay? Just, all right. Zip code should not affect 
your constitutional rights, but that is where we are now. So the importance of governors was so important, but we no. also knew that governors were doing things to lower costs to families, like cutting food taxes and giving them auto insurance rebates. And I think the governors, the, the people rewarded Democratic governors across this country and, and they got the job done. And we know the history of a midterm and a president's party and how awful that can be. And I think overall, we defied history here. All right. And then he said, what governor races did you have your eyes on? I'll play that one after the news. Well, do I have time? Yeah, I've got time. We'll do that because it's kind of a lengthier clip. So here are the races that the that Governor Cooper, again, as the head of the, the Democratic Governors Association, here are the races he was he was watching. He was keeping his eyes on. Well, first, let me uh, give a nod to Larry Hogan, the governor of Maryland, and Republican. Charlie Baker, Republican. governor of Massachusetts, two Republican governors with whom I worked very well. Uh, governors had to go through a lot over the last four years. We, we had a pandemic, and then we had to deal with a president and President Trump who vacillated between indifference and obstruction. Governors had to step up. Uh, we then saw global inflation that we had to deal with. We saw the attack on the Capitol, the attack on democracy. We- wait, wait, what does that have to do with you being a governor of North Carolina? This is just, see what I mean? He's, he, just, he just shoehorns in all of these attacks, these insults, and that's what they are. And people forget that he's a nasty partisan. Because he just delivers it with this smile and he's got that kind of facial expression that looks like he's always kind of like these sympathetic, droopy eyes that he's got going on. But th- these are insults. And I know that a lot of folks in the North Carolina political press don't seem to hear it like that, but these are insults. He is lobbying at half of the people. Saw the court stripping away fundamental rights for reproductive freedom. So governors had a lot to do. Oh my we gosh. spent time talking with each other, meeting with each other and planning. And Governor Hogan was was very strong. He was leading the, the governors, the National Governors Association, both parties, through that effort and stood up to the White House when, when he needed to. And, of course, he's term limited. And I'm so happy Wes Moore is elected. What a strong candidate, combat veteran, businessman, Rhodes Scholar. He's going to be a super governor. But then you got Charlie Baker, who was not term limited in Massachusetts. He never said this to me, but I'm speculating that he thought that with today's Trump-owned Republican Party, that he couldn't get the nomination uh, for, for, for governor. Now, maybe he could have. I don't know. But that's what I think. And so now we have the tremendous historic election of Maura Healey. Mm-hmm. who's former attorney general. I was attorney general of North Carolina. We served together. I know she's going to be a fantastic governor. But when you look at governors that really matter, let's look at the big swing states that we know it's critical to protect the democracy. The Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, Tom Wolf, term limited. Josh Shapiro is the perfect candidate and will be an outstanding governor and will stand up to those shenanigans and will help protect democracy yeah. and women's reproductive freedom in the Commonwealth, yeah. Michigan and Wisconsin. A, a Democrat hasn't been elected governor while a Democratic president was in office for decades in either one of those states. And both of them, their competence, their willingness to listen to the people uh, were shining through. 
and, and I think that governor, that the people of Michigan and Wisconsin saw them as leaders who cared about their kitchen table issues, their costs, but also we're going to step up to protect democracy and, and reproductive freedom. Oh. Look at Kansas with Laura Kelly, a very red state. She gets reelected because she believes in common sense government. Uh, we are waiting for results in Arizona, clearly an important state. It's one that we would flip if Katie Hobbs is able to hang on in this election. Uh, so we know that there were many important governor's races across the country. In fact, 36 of them. We had 13 incumbents to defend uh, right now. Uh, even if you don't even count the if, even if we lost the two remaining races, which I don't think we will. But even if we did, Democratic governors now represent more than 54 percent of the American people. That's a good thing. All right. So the, all right. 54% of the American people, not all the governorships of the American people, right? So packed into the urban areas, uh, in, in, uh, states with high concentrations of people in the urban areas. Yes. You're going to represent more people. Although the, the, the Congress members, they, they got the national vote, right? That was the other data point where Republicans got the national popular vote. They have more votes for all of their members of Congress than the Democrats did, which I don't think tells us very much, but I know that the Democrats cared a whole lot about that statistic when they were arguing for the quote-unquote fair maps, um, that sort of thing. So now, you know, these were the races. Here's Cooper, you know, touting success for these Democrat governors and that sort of thing. Now, two things keep in mind. Number one, he talked about the Massachusetts governor, Charlie Baker, and the speculation that uh, he couldn't win a primary. Why? Because Trump, right? He was he was anti-Trump or whatever, not sufficiently pro-Trump, and so that's why he lost. And I think he, I think that's why he's not he didn't run again. That's the first thing. Second thing, Florida, Cooper's views on Florida and DeSanctimonious <laughs> Ron DeSantis up next. <laughs> WBT Governor Cooper Ray, my good friend Ray, Ray Cooper. Oh, actually, hang on. Let me go to this uh, email to Pete at the Pete show.com from Joseph, who says, How does our good friend Ray Cooper keep getting positive national attention from the press when his party took an absolute beating in his state? In many counties, the Democrat Party has been completely decimated. I guess they want to eventually try a phony, aw, shucks, country lawyer, white guy to carry the banner for creeping Bolshevism nationally. Yeah, that's there are people that think he's going to be the, you know, the chosen one. But, uh, yeah, maybe, I don't know. Stan says, how come the only freedom that Democrats are for is reproductive freedom? In every other area of your life, there's a regulatory agency to control it. Yeah, that which is not mandated is regulated, is prohibited. Um, so he's on this program with Major Garrett, CBS News, called The Takeout. It's like a YouTube thing or something. And anyway, um, they, go, they go over some of the, you know, the success stories for the Democrats. He's the head of the Democratic Governors Association. But then Major Garrett asks, hey, what's up with Florida? Because Florida went bigly for the GOP. It's got 30 electoral votes, and uh, so what's up it is, uh, 
is Florida out of is Florida out of reach? It's very disappointing to see his brand of politics get affirmation in Florida. <laughs> but I do believe that uh, in the right year with the right candidates that Florida can still be in play for for Democrats. We certainly do not want to write it off. Okay, his brand of politics, that's Ron DeSantis he's talking about. See, the Democrats are in such a such a tough spot right now because they want to bash Trump. They, you know, Trump is in the is in the race, he announced, so they want to keep bashing on Trump, but they don't want to take their eyes off DeSantis because he's just as bad. He's gonna be even worse, actually. It's always so they're always worse, right? The guy right now is the worst. Until the next guy comes along, and then oh, he's going to even be even worse than the worst guy right now. Just this—it's always going to be worse. Until of course the person loses. If the Republican loses, unless it's Trump, then they can always say, "Well, you know that John McCain guy, or oh, that Mitt Romney guy," or you die. Those are the those like those are the deal. Like you you lose or you die, and then the uh, Democrats may talk nicely about you at that point because you're no longer a threat. Okay, so uh, next up. Cooper says, hey, Biden had low approval numbers, had high inflation, high gas prices. And that means historical losses, you know, by the party that holds the White House. And, uh, you know, we didn't see that. This was going to be a year for headwinds for uh, for Democratic candidates. And one of the hardest things to do in politics is to defeat an incumbent governor. Yeah, no joke. Uh, Governors do so much work that affect people's everyday lives. And even even if you're not such a good governor, it's still hard to root one out. Tell me about it. This just was not the time for Democrats to succeed in Texas and Florida. But they are still on Democratic maps. We have to go in and and look at ways that we can improve the processes there. I don't I don't profess to be an expert on how we do that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Improve what processes in Florida and Texas? Is this a call for Mark Elias? Are you going to get the democracy docket? People, I'll just say people. The democracy docket people, you're going to, you're going to send them down to Texas and Florida, going to flip those states blue, sue till blue. That's Roy Cooper, my good friend Ray. Going to sue until it's blue. But I know that both of those states are too important to our country. Too many people live there. We've got to keep working to, to, to make sure that we can make some inroads in both of those states. Mm-hmm. Okay. DeSantis said, this is what Major Garrett says to Cooper. DeSantis said that Florida is where woke goes to die. What do you make of that, Governor Cooper? Well, it, it's divisive, extreme politics playing on people's fears. Uh, Republicans have always been masterful at being able to do that, playing on people's fears. Oh, my God. This is the guy who kept us locked down for COVID for two years. 890 days under an executive order, his ED. You're living living with his ED for 880-something days, almost 890 days. That's a long time. That's a very long time. This guy who, who just changed rules and... Entered into collusive agreements with his own lawyer and and some settlement to to open up uh, voting laws to rework the way all of that done as the election was going on. Right, the guy who calls people the names you just heard extreme, diabolical, dangerous, 
You're trying to take away our democracy from the party that accuses Republicans of trying to literally murder people, right? And you're going to tell me that that the the Republicans are the ones who are masterful in manipulating people's fears. That's literally what you guys run on. Be afraid of Republicans because they're going to take away your stuff that we're giving you. That's all you have too. I mean, you bribe them up front and the Republicans honestly there is less of uh, there's less for them to bribe with because as a limited government party theoretically, right? They can't make as many of these promises to you. But you guys always promote fear too. And Cooper knows this. He's not an idiot. So he knows this. But it just shows, as Andrew Dunn writes, like he lives and breathes partisan politics. It's just the, his delivery and his tone of voice, it sort of lulls you into this belief that you're not, you're not being attacked in the way that you actually are being attacked. And what we have to do is take those issues head on. Uh, education, the classroom is not a place for culture wars. I agree. Yes, I agree. I agree. This is why Florida passed its bill. It's why the Republicans tried to pass the Parental Bill of Rights here. Because the left is advancing through the schools with their culture wars. The the legislation you see is a response. It's a reaction. It's not it's not the opening attack. That was that was lobbed by the left. We need to teach science and history and math and reading, and we don't need to put our children in the middle of that. I think who but who is putting kids in the middle of it? It's not the right. It's the left. The right responds by saying, don't put our kids in the middle of this. You shouldn't be talking to my first grader about your genitalia and your attraction and why you like this person and don't like that person and you're physically attracted to all sorts of people. You shouldn't be talking to a first grader about that. That's not the right advancing in the in the culture war. That's the left forcing these issues into the schools and then the right responds. We can take that on and we have successfully taken that on in many states across the country. In North Carolina, they introduced a don't say gay bill modeled after what they had done in Florida. I was able to veto it. Our Democrats in the state legislature were able to sustain that veto. People care more about their children getting quality education and learning to read and that they're safe at school than those issues. And I I think overall, we Democrats can continue to focus on those things. That's what matters. Yeah. See, it's the message. Oh, no, it's not. It's the messaging. Is that it? You just you're not getting your message out for some reason, because we all know it's so very difficult for the left to get its message out. People just don't know all the good things that they're doing. Right. This is a common refrain. He will actually make this case. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Governor Ray Cooper on The Takeout with Major Garrett on CBS News the other day. And it was right after the election. And I want to thank Andrew Dunn for 
uh, for flagging this, and he wrote about it at his Substack, Longleaf Politics, which I recommend uh, if you are into the uh, you know North Carolina political scene. But uh, so I watched this. It was like a forty-five minute interview with Cooper, and um, he's talking about these gubernatorial races around the country and some other races and stuff. But he's the head of the Democratic Governors Association, and so his job is to help get these Democratic governor. Uh, candidates elected or or reelected, um, and apparently the problem is he looks down in Florida and how well DeSantis did and how well Republicans did and just basically decimated uh, uh, Democrats down there. And he talks about the problem. They can't get the message out. Apparently, Democrats are very good at getting things done. <laughs> We're not always good at how we talk about them. <laughs> and why is that? Well, oh my gosh! So there's Garrett, just like, oh yeah. Well, why is that? Like just assuming that the premise is correct. This is just like with the 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 bill that Cooper calls the "Don't Say Gay" bill. Nowhere in that bill did it say "Don't Say Gay." Not what it says. Not what the bill does. It's an anti-groomer bill. It's don't be talking to kindergartners about who you're stooping. It's not that big of an ask, people. It isn't. So uh, he says the don't say gay bill in North Carolina. And again, just media accepts that as sort of the baseline. Oh, that's the premise. Democrats said it. It must be true. Democrat just said, oh, we're really good at doing things. Just not, you know, claiming credit and talking about all the good that we're doing. Dude, I paid attention to this last election. All you talked about was women's reproductive freedom. And our democracy. It's the only two things you've been mentioning in your interview. That's it. That's all he's talking about. The democracy and abortion. That's it. What are all of these things that you're doing? That you need the message to get out. All right. Oh, here you go. I got a uh, Twitter message here. Um, yeah, Ray Goebbels, more like it, Pete. Democrats can't get their messaging out, and they always have to pass their bills before you can see what's in them. What an enigma. <laughs> right? Yeah. Could you imagine a world where Democrats got their messaging out to the extent that they thought that would make them successful? Like, to the extent that they believe that it's the messaging not getting out that that's the problem? Could you imagine what this would look like? Oh, my gosh. They really, he really, do they, I guess they really believe this, that, oh, we just couldn't get our message out for some reason. Yeah, media doesn't amplify your narratives at all. You know, I I think we are busy getting things done. That's why. When you look at. It's like, oh, there you go. It's like, I care too much. I'm so busy getting the stuff done. I just don't have any time left to talk about all the stuff I got done. And then I lose my job because I wasn't able to tell everybody all the stuff I got done. That's, that's the argument. This is the argument. Same thing on the interview. Oh, I care too much. Sometimes I have too high standards. <laughs> okay. And, and President Biden would tell you this himself. When you look at what has been done in Washington in the last 18 months compared to the history of Congress and what's happened, stunning amount of investments that are going to be made oh, yeah. in the American people. Oh, no, hey, we are all aware of the stunning amount of expenditures that have been uh, that have been approved by Democrats. Absolutely. 
We are aware of that. In lowering childcare costs and connecting people to high-speed internet and fixing roads and bridges and moving us into the clean energy future and uh, capping the cost of prescription drugs for seniors and capping insulin costs and just issue after issue that matter to everyday people. Working hard on it, fighting with each other on how to do it. <laughs> well, there's a good fair, there's a lot of our time. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, and that's what you guys, and I understand that's where the, the conflict is. You guys focus on intra-party squabbles about how we're going to get things done. Republicans, Garrett, Major, don't have a plan. What? They don't, Wait, they what? don't have a plan. All right. It's all right. So hang on a second. So this is the complaint of the Dems in disarray. Have you ever heard Democrats talk about this? Much like, like I always joke about, you know, the GOP civil war. Because it's always a civil war. Every time the Republicans have a disagreement inside their party, it's a civil war. Never for the Democrats. Democrats get a brand of Democrats in disarray. And maybe it's alliteration. I don't know. Like, that's why people prefer it. But Democrats are super, super sensitive. I mean, well, about most things. But also super, super sensitive about the Dems in disarray narrative. So that's what Cooper's talking about here. Like, oh, we have these disagreements amongst ourselves, and you guys in the media, you just focus on these these intra-party squabbles, and that's you know that that's not fair, really. Yeah, because media doesn't paint any kind of similar picture for the Republican intra-party squabbles or something. Their whole reason for being is to criticize, attack, gain power, and essentially what they do is to try to reduce services for people and to give tax breaks to the very wealthiest among us and the corporations. And that's pretty much it. I know that's an oversimplification, but that is what they do. Uh, they try to win and to take power and they don't have a good plan. I think democratic governors this time did a much better job of communicating to people what they were doing to affect the, the issues that matter and oh, so wait, 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 hang on. So you were able to get your message out? Oh, only in the races you won. Oh, I see how that works. So if you won, it was because you were able to get the message out. But if you lost, it wasn't the message. It was because you couldn't get the message out. I got you. It was multidimensional. We, we heard a lot of pundits as, you know, these swing stakes came up. The polls would swing one way or the other. And everybody was looking at it. And everybody had an answer as to what issue was motivating people. And this is what was swinging the polls one way or the other. The fact of the matter remained that Democratic governors remained steady in what they were doing and what they were messaging as well, affecting the cost of families, which they cared about, but also reminding people that, hey, democracy is on the on the brink. <laughs> and we, we, there it is. we know that people's abortion rights there it are going to get swept away. All right, it's the, no, it's the, so it's not the message. It's the messaging. They just didn't get it out. So in case you weren't aware, the Democrat Party wants you to be aware of democracy on the ballot and abortion rights. In case you weren't clear about that. All right. That's Governor Cooper. That's a wrap for me. I appreciate you hanging out. Brett Winterbull's up next. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.